Welcome to Raw Faith, a podcast for believers who want to grow and mature in their authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. In our time together, we hope to challenge each other to become better doers of the word and not just hearers. This program is hosted by Shelley McWilliams of Sozo Restoration Ministries, which helps people to transform their lives through the healing, wholeness, and equipping of Jesus. So let's see where the word takes us today. Hello, saints of God. This is Shelley, and welcome to episode four of Raw Faith. We're going to continue on with part two of our Identity Through Christ series. I want you to take a journey with me today, and let's go back in time to the beginning when God created creation and he created us. We're going to take a look at the origins of man today, and then we're going to take a look at what happened to mankind when the fall took place. So come back in time with me, if you will. And let's go back when the Father was speaking creation into being. And in Genesis chapter 1, verses 25 and 28, the word tells us that God had made wild animals according to their kind and livestock according to their kinds and all the creatures that moved along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us, talking about the Trinity, make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in your number, fill the earth and subdue and rule over the fishes of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves upon the ground. So back in the beginning, we see that Father created all of creation. Then Father said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. What I want to take a look at is what did God create mankind to be? So the first thing that's obvious is what I just said. God created us in his image. So let's take a look at that briefly. God is a triune being. We see that in the Trinity. It's God the Fatherhead, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit of God. When God created us in his image, he also created us to be a triune being. And so we were created as a spirit, and then God gave us a soul, which is our mind, our will, and emotions, or what some people would call our character. And then God put us in a body. So we see that we are also a triune being. Also, God has emotions and God gave us every emotion. I want to repeat that. God gave us every emotion because there is almost a unwritten rule that we believe that there's certain emotions that are bad and certain emotions that are good. But the scripture never tells us that. The scripture does warn us and say that when we feel emotions, it's important for us to deal with them in a timely manner, because if they don't, it's going to cause problems. But that does not mean that emotions are bad or good. What's bad or good is what do we do with them? So give yourself permission. If you're feeling an emotion that you think is negative, then don't shut it down, but go to the Lord and say, 
what's the godly way that you want me to deal with this? Because again, no emotion is bad. What we do with it determines whether it becomes bad. The other thing that we see is God has a character and he has given each of us a unique character. We see God has faithfulness and truthfulness and loyalty. We see in scripture that he has likes and dislikes. And so when he imparted to us our character or our soul, again, our mind, will, and emotions, then he also gave us characteristics that were unique to us. And every person has different characteristics. It's so funny when we talk about how God created us in his image because our tendency as humans is to create God in our image. And that's something that is common to our flesh because we cannot wrap our heads around the awesomeness, the magnitude of who God is. And we can't wrap our heads around his unconditional love and we can't wrap our heads around the depth of his desire for us, his forgiveness for us. It's beyond our human understanding. And it seems like we're always trying to rewrite this dictionary in how God defines things in his word and how he defines himself in his word. I don't know about you, but I struggle all the time with trying to define God by my dictionary and what I can equate to in my humanity. And every time I end up frustrated, upset, until God says, you need to define these things by my word and who I am, not by what you're familiar with in your humanity. When I'm able to flip-flop that, it makes a huge difference. But man, I'm going to tell you, it is hard sometimes because our flesh wants to put things into our own understanding and we are never going to understand the fullness of God. Our humanity cannot do it. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are way beyond and higher than our thoughts. We cannot grasp the magnitude of God. And so if I could give you an encouragement right here, don't try to create God in your image. Don't try to define God by your dictionary, but let go of that and let God define himself by his word and his character. When we do that, I'm telling you, I have noticed more peaceful living when I am able to let go of trying to put God in my box and just let him be God. Amen. Okay, so let's continue on. So we see that in the beginning that God created man in his image. The other thing that we see in Genesis chapter one that I just read is that he said that we are to subdue and rule over and oversee the earth and every living creature. And so the second thing that God did when he created mankind is he intended us to have an authority he gave us to rule over and subdue every living creature. Now, when we think of that, we can just kind of move past that. But I want to stop for a second here because I see something that I don't know that we really grasp all the time. I know I don't. And I know that this is part of letting the word define these meanings and not me define these meanings. So if we take a look at the original language, what subdue and rule over means, it means that we are to tread down, to conquer, to have dominion over, to prevail against, to reign over, to bring into subjection. So when we realize that when God made us, Part of what he created us to be and the assignment he gave us was to rule over, to conquer, to have dominion over and to reign over the earth and all the living creatures. I do not live in that kind of authority. I want to, 
But again, it's one of those things that's beyond human understanding. And I see so many Christians that fight from a place of struggle and a place from victimization or helplessness. And a lot of that has to do with wounding that we've experienced in our lives. And we'll get into that in a different podcast. But we have to realize that when God made us, God gave us authority and he gave us an assignment. You know, scripture talks about when God looked and he created all things and he said that he picked up Adam and he put him into the garden and he said that he put him into the garden so that Adam could have dominion over, he could take care of Eden. We see God immediately engaging Adam in saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take care of this. I want you to do what needs to be done. I want you to govern it. The Lord even gave Adam the authority to name the creatures. So we see that kind of partnership, that kind of authority that God says, hey, I want you to be an active role in this. We were created to subdue, rule over the earth and every living creature. The third thing that we see in that passage of scripture in Genesis chapter one is we see that God created us to be blessed. That is hard for us to get because many times, again, we define God by our earthly understanding and our earthly understanding of authority is, well, I get blessed if I do good. And if I don't do good, then I get punished. But I want you to get this with me that from the beginning, God's intent was that we would be blessed. We don't have to struggle to be blessed. We don't have to beg God to be blessed. We have to understand God's desire is to bless us. It's not something we have to convince him of doing. He loves us so much that he wants to pour out his blessings. That's why he's so huge on being obedient, because if we're obedient to the things that he says, then we're not going to stop up his blessings. And he desires those blessings to flow freely to us. So we were created to be blessed by God. And the fourth thing that we see in that passage of scripture when God created us is we were created to be in fellowship with God. We are at our highest level, our most peaceful time, our most blessed time when we are in fellowship with God. We see in Genesis chapter three, verse eight, that God communed with them. God came down in the still of the night and he would walk with them. He desires us to be in fellowship with him. In fact, we'll take a look at it probably in the next podcast if we don't get to it this one. But even after the fall, even after Adam and Eve sinned, we see that God still comes down to fellowship with man. But when we try to define God by our image and our understanding, we think that when we do something wrong, God's mad at us or God's upset. So we, again, equate him and we define his reaction by what our human experiences have been. The reality is God never withdraws from us. He is there. He is communing with us all the time. God doesn't move, but man moves when we sin. And we're going to take a look at that as we get into the fall. But we were created to be in fellowship with God. So if you look at this passage of scripture as we unfold this in Genesis, what we can find is Adam's first understanding of his creator is a God who loved him and carefully and abundantly provided for him and even believed in him because he gave him authority to rule over and subdue the creatures and the beasts of the field. 
So Adam's first experience with his father is all these beautiful things that we hunger for and we strive for in our lives constantly. And here is Father God loving, caring, abundantly providing for, being in communion with. It's such a beautiful picture when we stop and we just slow down and say, wow, God, the creator of heaven and earth stopped in the evening and came down to the Garden of Eden to just take a mosey walk with his son. That's so beautiful. The love that God has and his desire to just walk with us and be with us and commune with us. So we see this beauty as God unfolds how he created and the purposes for creating us. And then trouble ensues. Here comes the serpent. This is Satan. Comes on the scene. Let me read to you a passage of scripture in Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. And then I'm going to skip and I'm going to cover verses 15 through 18. God's talking again. He's created everything. And verse 8 starts with, And now the Lord God had planted the garden in the east in Eden, and there he put man that he had formed. And the Lord made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground and trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden to work and to care for it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it, you will surely die. And the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And I will make him a helper suitable for him. So we see that God puts a limitation on Adam when he puts Adam in the garden. And he says, listen, I've given you access to all of this. But this is the one thing you need to stay away from. You cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you do that, then you're going to die. So we see in Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 7, we go on and it talks about how the serpent comes on the scene and tempts Eve. I want to stop and lay a foundation there that is, I think is important for us to know as we look at this story of Adam and Eve. When the fall is about to take place, we realize that two things happen. Before sin happens, there's going to be two things that we have to engage in in order for sin to happen. Number one is a temptation. And we'll see that when the serpent comes and tempts Eve. So there's a temptation. But then what we see is as a result of that temptation, Eve made a choice and then Adam made a choice. And so there's always going to be a temptation and there's always going to be a choice involved when sin is going to take place. And we have a choice to either engage in that temptation that is sinful, or we have a choice to withstand that and not endeavor in it. Let's take a look at when the serpent tempts Eve to sin. That's in Genesis chapter three, verses one through five. And the passage of scripture says that now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, meaning the serpent said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say that we must not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden and we cannot touch it or we will surely die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
There's an important characteristic that we can see here when the serpent comes on the scene to tempt Eve to eat of the tree and be disobedient to God. When sin takes place, the enemy will always tempt us with questioning either the word of God or the goodness of God. He said to Eve, did God really say? And so anytime we question the word of God, we need to let a red flag go up because it could smell like a serpent's around us trying to talk to us. So he says, did God really say? And then what he does is when Eve responds, then the serpent comes back and questions the goodness of God and says, no, you see, you're not going to die, but God knows when you eat of it, your eyes are going to be open and you're going to be like him and you're going to know good and evil. The serpent is trying to convince Eve that, well, God's withholding something from you. It's questioning God's goodness. So when the enemy comes against us, he'll always try to question the word of God and he'll always try to make us doubt the goodness of God. Or the third option is he does both. When Eve agreed with what the serpent said, half of that was true. God did say that you must not eat from the tree of the garden, but the serpent twisted in any tree of the garden. Then he goes on to continue and says, but you won't die, which is a lie. But he continues on and says, for if you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Well, that's not true. But he says, you will know good and evil. Well, that part is true. So here's the danger of us believing the enemy's half truth, half lies. Because no matter what he does, I have found I rarely experience him coming with a full blown lie. Anytime he's talking to me or others that I know, he comes with a half truth and a half lie. The problem with that, my spiritual father used to say all the time, is you have to be careful because if it's a half truth and a half lie, you never know if you're going to get a hold of the wrong half. So many times we are deceived by the enemy because there's a little bit of truth in there. And so we just don't think about the whole thing and we think, well, that must be truthful then. We see a very important characteristic when the serpent is tempting Eve, or if you will, when Satan tempts mankind, that he will question the word of God and the goodness of God in our life. And we have to be careful that we don't take what he says, because we're not sure if we're going to get the truthful half or if we're going to get the wrong half. This will conclude part two of our Identity Through Christ series. In the next episode, which is going to air on February, September 22nd, we're going to continue our journey in the Bible, and we're going to discover what the fallout was when the fall of man happened. Thank you so much for listening to our Raw Faith podcast. As we've dove into the Word of God together, my prayer is that we both were encouraged, but also challenged to become doers of the Word. So let me leave you with this question. How are you going to allow what you heard today to transform your life and not just add to your knowledge? Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe and share this podcast. And if you want to know more about Shelley or Sozo Restoration Ministries, visit our website at sozorestoration.org.